0: If you want to follow along, we will be getting to Romans 15 in a bit, mostly to that first verse. We'll look at the other two or three there for a little bit. But Christian hope, um, trying to understand that, uh, I think it's important for us to understand that this is a big, uh, big word in theology is a really big word in the Bible it, in understanding what it means. And that's kind of why we're doing this series, because you get uh, questions about this, because when... I think I gave you that analogy before where somebody would, you'd ask somebody, well, do you think uh, you're going to be with God when you die? That's a good question. Um, and people will say, well, I hope so. And I think that's a good answer is just how do you define hope? <laughs> the, uh, you know, again, we, we talked about that the first few weeks that hope in in the kind of a secular sense is wishing, uh, I hope I, I get there meaning I might not. I mean, we might say, well, you know, I hope it doesn't get as hot as they say it's going to get here this next week. Uh, that might be a little bit of a fleeting hope because although meteorologists tend to not do super all the time with rain and amounts, but they seem to do pretty good with the temperature. Uh, they nail that pretty good uh, for the most part. So uh, that's probably, again, it, it's not something you probably expect. Maybe a better one my hope I don't get too hot when it's that hot and have a place to not be as hot. That's maybe, But that's still wishing, right? Um, that's not it. That's the first question we ask. You know, what is hope in the Bible? It's, it's full assurance in God's promises. Uh, not uncertain desire. Uh, that's the difference between what we call the, the Greek word for hope uh, which is elpis, not elvis, but elpis. Um, it's a yeah, good word to remember and it does have that this isn't just a biblical concept. This is a Greek con. It's the idea of this is something you're you're sure of, but it's it's got a a future piece to it. So it's kind of like faith, but it's got a future piece to it. Uh, and again, full assurance, full assurance. When you say so, that person that says, "Well, I hope I'll be with God," and if we say it in the biblical sense, it's like I'm I'm certain I will. Uh, if, you know, and again, it's if Jesus is correct and I'm good, you can say that. You know, that type of thing. And if if you're gonna you know, put your foundation in someone. That's the one to to put it in. Uh, so, so, so this is something every Christian should have, and this is why we're told to be able to tell other people about it. In First Peter, this is the NLT, which we're going to use a little bit today. Which it's a newer, uh, not a newer, but a, a little bit more free-flowing way of translating scriptures. Go back to the original manuscripts. That's the green Bibles out there if you, if you need a Bible. And those or study Bibles. They're good ones. Uh, it kind of gives us maybe a little bit more modern look at it. It's, I think it's well done. But uh, So this particular version says, that you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. I mean, that's obviously what we're doing now. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, you always be ready to explain it. You know, this is, we have talked about this in our Bible study this morning. It's like, uh, why do we believe the Bible is true and we have what we need from that? And it's like, well, we should have hope in that. And then we get back to the fact that this is something we should be sure of. Well, why? Well, always be ready to explain it. You know, first of all, when you think about the hope you have in Christ, make sure you know why. And then how can you explain it? You know, Um, I think that's, and and your explanations might probably be a little bit different than mine. There should be some similarities. Um, when you're talking about your faith, always make sure you get Jesus in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, I've heard people say, and it's like if you could take what you said and apply it to, you know, Muhammad or or Krishna or Buddha, then that's not really all that much of a Christian hope there. Let's make sure it's Jesus-centered. I, I, I think it's good to tell why you believe and why it's important to you, because the personal part is very big. But, you know, it's obviously pointing to Christ is what we're always trying. So that's the hope we're looking at, the hope of, of the certainty that we have. So it's not uncertain desire. It is confident expectation. And and we kind of looked at that uh, the three last three weeks. You know, why do we hope? What reasons can we give? And we talked about the hope through grace, the hope through the gospel, and the hope through the n- new birth. The, the verse we used for grace was from 2 Thessalonians. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself... And God, our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope th- good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. And we talked about good hope through the grace. You know, that's, that's when you're talking about your faith, it's always grace, better get in there. Um, the other one, you'll hear people say, well, I hope I'm good enough. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure you're not. <laughs> that's the problem, you know, back to the hand, which, you know, God, perfect man, not. There's a problem. You're not good enough by definition. You don't need grace if you're good enough. You only need grace if you're not. So that's what we talked about the first week. In the second week, we looked at Colossians one, and I'll I'll read it here. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, grace creates the gospel, and this is the the means with which we are saved. And it's 21 through 23. If you're looking for a real good summation of the gospel, it's it's really good. Actually, if you're looking for a really good prayer, go to 9 through 14. If you're looking, home, what should I pray for somebody? Look at Colossians. Paul's praying for the Colossian Christians. So that's who he's talking about. And you, you Christians are who in Colossae, who once were alienated and hostile in mind. So these are believers. This is where you were. Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. (sighs) That's one sentence. Guy gets going, man. When the Holy Spirit's moving, he really gets going. It's very good to remember. And then last week we looked at why do we hope, because of Jesus' resurrection and our new birth in him, that we can get... uh, which you, you got to stay tuned if you're the kids, you know, we're only to Jesus. We, we got to get to cross and then finally we get to resurrection. So just tune in in a couple weeks. But First Peter 1 talked about that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, he talked about how the resurrection vindicates the cross. It's, 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 it's good evidence for it and gives us that certain uh, certainty that Jesus' words were true. Uh, and that born again, we talked about, you know, you can debate, argue about exactly how that happens, but that it happens is the main thing. Something changes in our hearts so we can see the kingdom of God. Uh, and I think, remember, we landed the plane there. Well, how do I know? let well, just seek God. Let him take care of the, everything after that. Seek him. Uh, Hopefully, that is something that you will do uh, all the time. So, coming to real faith in Jesus, you know, it's unique to each person. Uh, but there's some similarities. There's a change of soul. Something's happened. It's, it's, it's interesting for me. I guess I would almost use the word fun. To, if you've done that, you start talking to somebody, maybe you don't know them that well, you find out they're a Christian, and you ask, well, how did, you know, how did, tell me about your faith walk a little bit. You know, it's always very fun to do that because it's unique and it's cool and it's relational and it, um, and they have different ways of putting it and it's, you get to know somebody really well. But but they're eventually going to see that they were guilty before God. There was a problem and they recognize God's grace through Christ. So, And then you strive to live a life after that that honors him. That's kind of what we are summing up here. But this is probably, and it's it's good news. I think this is good news because it's real. But it doesn't always come as good news. Um, when you become a Christian, the enemy becomes real. I mean, that's very biblical. That's what we're going to look at today. Not, not, you know, you're sitting. there, I thought this was going to be a fun sermon. Well, I think it'll be fun. Uh, but it, 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 this is this is something we have to deal with. And uh, in First Peter, we get a, a really good picture uh, of the of the of the enemy. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. He's talking to obviously a group of Christians there, but I think we can it's it's talking to us. Uh the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's uh it's uh yeah, it's sobering, you know. We're not gonna get into a lot of the metaphysics of this. We can do that in a Bible study, but, but the idea that there's an enemy out there, there's a problem out there, uh the you've got things that are always going against Christ, you know, the the way the Bible puts it is the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, and and that's out there. And the fact that, again, this is just kind of a logical way to look at it. If you're not much of a problem to him, he probably won't bother you much. If you're just kind of, well, you know, whatever, Jesus is helpful when I'm trying to make sure my field goal kicker makes the field goal um i mean why would he bother you <laughs> i mean really, he, you're not really an enemy <laughs> you know he uh it's the it's when you really get close to christ that you're going to see this happen um and we'll look at some very very hopeful and and uh, uh comforting scriptures here in just a second to help us with that but once you commit to following jesus uh sometimes this idea comes that there's no longer to have to struggle with life anymore that's out there You know, come to Jesus and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and successful, you know. You know, and maybe you will. (laughs) And I don't think, you know, we don't want to be the anti of that. We come to Jesus and you'll be sick. (laughs) Uh, Stupid and poor. You know, do you want those three things? I don't think that's what we want. That's not what we're saying either. It's reality. Um, Do we have to struggle with guilt, fear, and sin? You know, so it sounds good. I, I like it. In fact, you know, in my fallenness, I think I would want that if God said, hey, do you want to live the rest of your life and, you know, popping grapes and having somebody with a palm leaf? You know, you got that idea on the veranda somewhere. And, or do you want to struggle with, you know, overcoming evil and struggle with some suffering and cry together with people? And it's like, well, I, I think I'll go ahead and take A. You know, who, who among us? Yeah, I, I don't think we're supposed to seek suffering. It seems to find us, right? Um, and Jesus said, you know, in this world we'll have trouble. But but we're not free from the struggle. That's, you know, that's very true. I don't know, do you, this is kind of an easy question now, I think. Do you know what Israel means? You know, it was a name that was given to Jacob when he wrestled, hint, hint, with that angel God being dude in the, by the river Jabbok what's that he struggled with god that's what it means interesting you know not that it's 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 a bad struggle it's just the fact that even in our redeemed state you know when god sees us <laughs> as blameless as colossians said we still fall short of his glory and we, we we struggle in this life you know it it's it's not utopia it's not going to be uh, this life is where we point to the next for the most part um, but you have to remember some verses, and we'll look at these. You know, your your future is not going to be all peace and sweetness. I, I, and I know this doesn't preach as well as it will. Um, I think the main thing will. Uh, this beautiful experience of new hope is going to be threatened. Uh, and that's why you see, you know, when people, we could have it at VBS. You could have a young child that, hey, you know, I really didn't know that much about Jesus. This is somebody I want to follow and if they really start following him, then they're going to get there's going to be doubts come in their mind. There's going to be things that do I go back to the same behavior? Do I see Jesus as just kind of a get out of hell free card and just live the way I want? You know? I mean that's that's there. It it's always there. I mean, look at Peter. You know, he knew the Lord. How did that work out for him for a while? I mean, he really struggled with it. And even afterwards, Paul calls him out in Galatians for Kind of dropping the ball a little bit, so there's struggle here. But here's some uh, verses to remember. There's just four of them, but they're I think they're helpful. First uh, John four four. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over these people. These people who are telling you that Jesus isn't who He says He was, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Yeah. You know Jesus shows us that. I love we, we were studying. Uh, we're studying Matthew on Saturday morning. We're sitting around there having our coffee, and we've got Jesus, uh, uh, somebody who's, you know, uh, oppressed by an evil spirit comes, and Jesus is just like, you, out. There's no debate. There's no struggle. It's not like, oh, I've got to get him out of there, you know, kind of the Yoda, Star Wars-y thing. No, it's just go. I mean, and, and they know that. The, 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 the one who is in you is greater than the, the one who's in the world. That's, that's good to know. If you go up against evil, you probably won't do well. But if God does, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine. And that's what we, so that's what first John's telling. The one who is in you, is don't worry about that. Um, and then in First Corinthians, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. So you, you live into that. Um, John 12, Jesus, right before the upper room, he says, the time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, would be cast out. Well, what happened to get Satan to be cast out? It was a cross. There's that scene, if you've seen the Passion, you know, Mel Gibson's film, it's in Aramaic, which I thought was really cool. But, and you have to read the subtitles. But but remember that, you know, that he gets beat up and the cross and all that. But, you know, there's that Satan figure in there. And and if you haven't seen that movie, that's up to you. It's 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 intense. Uh, I wouldn't don't even think about popcorn. You're not going to eat it anyway. Um, in fact, the first time I saw it was in Keokuk. and one of our elders and I went to it. It was just to come out. It was right before our uh, Monday Thursday service, which was kind of interesting. So we were watching this stuff, and the people behind us, a couple, came with this big old tub of popcorn. These two big you know big gulps, you know, and this thing started. You know, and, and, you're just, and they get up and there's a whole bunch of popcorn and two big gulps. I don't think they touched it. It was just intense. But there's this Satan character that comes through it. And Satan's there when he's getting beaten. And Satan's there when he's on the cross. And Satan's there all the time. And at the, when the cross, when he says this is finished, there's a picture from what would probably be the father's viewpoint. And he's looking down on the Satan character. And you fi- I think Satan finally figures out and i love this term it's my term but it's still i love it he was a useful idiot he thought he was helping kill jesus and that was a good thing but he was actually helping kill jesus and that made all the difference you know that's the thing that's what the ruler of this world is going to be cast out you know you think about it this is kind of an aside but why would judas tempt or excuse me the devil tempt judas to betray Jesus if that was going to end up saving the world. I don't think Satan knew what was going on. Just kind of fun. Well, fun's maybe the wrong word. Uh, Comforting, you know. He's not omniscient. But again, the rule of the world was cast out by Jesus. He's much stronger. Um, We know he could have called legions of angels to get him off the cross, but he didn't because of us. And then James 4, I like this one. So humble yourselves before God. That's a good start. I was going to actually wear my humble shirt, but maybe next week. We'll see. <laughs> Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I kind of like that, you know. But first of all, humble yourself before God. You know, it's not not because of you, but because of him. I don't know, maybe this would be a good way to look at it. It's like, you know, the, the, you know, and it's all kind of metaphoric, obviously, but evil comes out you, you know, the Satan comes at you, and he looks at you. It's like this isn't a problem, but then he sees Jesus standing behind you, and he's kind of like, eh, "I think I'll try someone else." Yeah, and I think that's what we. So think though in the background. Yes, it's a battle. We're going to see scriptures that tell us that, but it's not a battle we can't win. And in fact, we just read it's already been won. It's just can we live that way? You know, and we have to be so careful that we don't turn victory into success and only good things in this life. I, I mean, I don't know. I could probably list a lot of good things that happened this week to me. And maybe a few bad ones. I mean, it happens that way. I don't think we need to, to, to say, well, I don't know what this week holds. There's only one being in the, in the world and the universe that does. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the good times come? What are we going to do when the, the, the tough times come? So when you're truly born again to this new life in Christ, you're born for a battle. And we get this. Ephesians 6 is the quintessential armor of God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And he goes on to talk about this metaphoric armor of God. Well, you don't need armor if there's not a battle. This is a battle. We have to look at it that way. You know, I don't think it's hard for Jesus and this Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just. You know, but it is for us. We have to live into that. Um, why tell us we need to put on armor if we're not going to get attacked? This would just be mean. I mean, think about that. If we're getting ready to leave and I said, you got to put on this 40 pounds of armor before you go to lunch. Other than the fact you would think I was weird, that would be cumbersome, wouldn't it? That's a. I mean, I I've not had a chain of armor on anybody had one. I I, I heard it was really heavy, um, and this is more Roman armor here because it was back in Roman times. But if I, if if you knew you were going to face a battle, it's like you got any more? You happen to have a machine gun with you, you know? I mean, this is this is what you only need the armor if there's something to fight. There's something to fight against. And, you know, of course, the armor is metaphoric for faith and righteousness and salvation and peace and, and hope, I guess, too. The 1 the Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Corinthians 10 gives us more. And this is kind of my, I guess, my favorite verses right now in, in my life because we've been using this a lot in our Bible studies and just the way we do church here. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to, destrong, to destroy strongholds. This is cool, right? Okay, get me, we're going to get, this is it. If you want to know how to beat this and win this, here you go. Here is the key and antidote to be able to destroy evil strongholds. We destroy arguments. Hmm. wouldn't have thought that. No, I, I think I would have, but. It's not what comes to mind, is it? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's a goal. That's not easy. Every thought captive to obey Christ. So when that person comes to you and treats you in a way that is not good, how do you return that? What would be the thought you should have? Uh, When somebody who's wronged you greatly asks for forgiveness, what's the thought you have? Is that captive to Christ? When you see somebody that looks like maybe they're not Christian because maybe the way you think they dress or the way they act, what's your thought? You know, I mean, that's that's hard, you know. Jesus doesn't just want to change the way you act. He wants to change the way you think. And this is kind of what this is. And then Hebrews 6, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who faith and patience inherit the promise. You know, don't be sluggish. Be ready for the battle. Which brings us to Romans. You were wanting to get there, I know. but uh, And yes, we're already halfway through the sermon, so you'll get to dinner in plenty of time. It's uh, We're not going to. So Romans uh, chapter 15 verse 4 is always a good uh, verse to remember because it gives us some good information about for the glory of God. So we're going to hit verse 4, mostly. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So he's talking about the scriptures there. You know, it's kind of like this was written for you. Now, it really wasn't written to you. And I know that's just one little preposition. But we have to be careful. Um, This is, you know, what's the name of the book we're in? Romans. So it was probably written to the Romans, uh, hence the name, Um, and you can start in the book, and it says to the church in Rome. Uh, So it was written to a bunch of Christians that were in uh, ancient Rome in the first century. That's who it was written to. But this tells us it's also written for us, you know. There's probably some good memes in there on Facebook with this stuff. It's like, you know, we we have to be careful we don't just turn it into us. We first understand what it meant to the Christians it was written to, and then how do I apply it to my life? And this one's easy. (laughs) It's like, it's directly applicable. All these scriptures were written for you. And you think about that, it is kind of humbling. So Paul wrote this through the power of the Spirit for me? Wow, that's kind of cool. And God made sure it's out there for me? Well, my, man, maybe I want to read this stuff if it's, if it's written for me. And so the three things we're going to look at here in the second half of the sermon, all of the Scriptures are given to instruct us. Um, they're intended by God to give us endurance and encouragement. We see that. And all the Scriptures have this goal to sustain our hope. So you can't say, oh, there's just, I'm just beyond ability to overcome this suffering. Um, And so the first one, all of the scriptures are given to instruct us. Um, So what does that mean? Well, we must be willing to learn what the scriptures teach if we expect to be encouraged by the truth of scripture rather than, and this is what's out there, and we all struggle with this, I think, the unguided sound of words or reflections of our own ideas and desires. You know, one of the main things you try to do as as a pastor is not preach only your opinion. I might give you an opinion, but I'll tell you it's an opinion. Yeah, it, but when it comes to what Jesus said, what Paul taught, we're going to teach that as truth. You can believe it or not, it's up to you. But let's be consistent about it. It's a, And I, when I think about this, I always think, uh, have to be careful with this. But, you know, I kind of like reading. <laughs> I know some people don't. Um, you know, that's really your problem, not mine. I mean, I'm, that was kind of tongue-in-cheek. I mean, I don't, I don't know. God does different things. He's the one that came up with this stuff. I mean, you go to John 1, one. I love, you know, in the beginning was the word. It's like I know some of you, like, in the beginning was the Blu-ray. Or the beginning was TikTok. or the Well, you know, not that those things can't be helpful. And we just talked about a movie that you could watch that helps you with the gospel and all that. And I think that's good. But again, God's the one that decided to write stuff down. Um, and, and I don't know what your day-to-day reading of Scripture is or your week-to-week study of Scripture. I've always said this. Don't worry about how much you read. Just get in it. Just I don't know. Spend a week on a verse. I don't care. I mean, it, I couldn't even get one sentence in Colossians out with one breath. And we did one sermon on that and just barely grazed it. You know, just let it let it go. Let it sit there. Let it you know, just get in it. If you read a verse a day, that's better than needing none a day, right? You know, and just, just let it let it help you understand. You know, and obviously we have Bible studies for that. And I'm never gonna apologize inviting people to those. I mean this is what this is, you know, Roman this is written for us. Why? So we know God. Now, it's not just objective word. It, it's the spirit, too. It's, it's a combination. He's the author of this stuff. Um, and this is the way he came out. But again, if you don't like to read, then don't look at it as reading. Look at it as getting information from God about who he is, who you are, and what makes a difference. And you take your time or go fast. I don't care. Uh, but we, when we have our Bible studies, you know, we learn from each other. You get their experiences. You get how people see Scripture. And it's, it, if it's living word like it is, it's, it's going to get you. It's going to get you in the heart. So not everybody needs to be a biblical scholar, right? But isn't it nice that some are? I mean, I'm reading from, well, we've been reading from the ESV uh, and the NLT, which are, I don't know if you've noticed, English translations. This book was not written in English. It was written in Greek. In fact, it wasn't, and you go over to Greece right now and speak Greek fluently and not have the first clue what this is saying because it's 2,000-year-old Greek. And then you get in the Old Testament, it's in Hebrew, and this, those suckers write backwards. They don't even have bowels. You know, what is wrong with these people? No, I'm just kidding. But, but it, it is hard stuff. But And I know some of it. We learned that in seminary. But not like these. We've got hundreds of scholars that, get, that just are Greek geeks and Hebrew geeks and they go back to the manuscripts that have that, that are, you know, ancient. Uh, we, if you, we can talk about that if you want, but we, we know we got what we need. Everybody understands that um, because we have too much evidence. But then how do you get from this ancient Hebrew and this ancient Greek to something we can understand? Well, God's gifted people, and they've decided to take their life to do this for you. So, you know, next time you open your mind, we might just say, thank God that these men and women were gifted to be able to do this. Because it was up to us, we might be in really big trouble. Uh, and so, and again, you don't you want to learn Greek and Hebrew? Sure, do it. Go for it if you want. But just having a couple translations helps you see it from different. And we do that. Here's some. I'll do that if you're in a Bible study. You know what? What I'm going to ask when I read is one verse, I'll say, "Well, there's here's these two words. What does your Bible have? Because you want to see how different scholars translate it. Because there's lots of synonyms in this world. Um, So you don't have to be a biblical scholar, but be thankful that some are. Um, But again, don't go just to get information. Go go to the Bible to learn who God is and what what He wants to do for you and what He has done for you. And don't just fly over the Scriptures to the way to work or the way to bed. I mean, you can do it, but try to really understand what they're saying. I mean, I know that none of the couples here would ever do this, but once in a while I've heard that maybe a husband might not listen real well to what the wife is saying just a little advice to wives, if you talk about football and stuff that's important, they'll listen more. Just, just kidding. But we have that, you know, we have that, you know, God says something and you're kind of like, Did, are we listening, you know? Which, you know, if you think about it, if, if, if you wanted somebody to really understand what you're saying, what might you do? You might write it down. Well, why would you write it down? Well, then they can read it over and over again. What a neat method. <laughs> Heck, they may make movies out of it. It's really important. It's, it's almost like God knew what he was doing. <laughs> you know? And there have been studies that have been done that the cognitive, the way we're wired, the way our minds wired, there's something about reading the written word that engages our heart, soul, and mind more than just a movie or just audible words. Not that the other two aren't important. But I don't know if you've done that. You know, Thank God for Netflix and the rewind button. I'm like, who's this guy again? What was his name? Okay, you know, and there you go. It, because our mind sees this, but we're not engaged like we are with the word. Somehow it works better with that. Um, so that's probably, I mean, God did what he wanted to, but I think God wired us to read this stuff and and and, and engage it. And, you know, the new thing I've been doing for the last year in Bible studies, it's like, you know, we're going through the gospel of Matthew or Luke, and I'm like, okay, Jesus is moving in and he's talking to this guy. And I'm like, in your mind, make a movie. get the okay what's the set going to look like what how many people are there? How are they dressed? what are they saying? what's their expression? And your mind just goes, boom, it's such amazing and and it's funny if, if we could get in there and see the movie, everybody had a little bit different movie, right but it still comes back and you engage the scriptures that way, and you can do that so if we can try to understand him continually if we then we can f- fight successfully to maintain the full assurance of hope. If we understand who God is, just today if you walk out and say the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And if you hit something this week that really is tough or if you're tempted to do something that you know is evil, you know that you have an advocate, a comforter, a Holy Spirit that says, you know, I'm much stronger than any of this stuff. And maybe part of it is trying to get you a little stronger in the midst of the suffering i don't know so being in it it's it's such a privilege sometimes and we look at don't look at it as a chore i guess that's the i mean some days it might be um worship can be that way i know for none of you today but you know sometimes we just show up cuz it's like well it's, i'll go you know cuz pastor's going to give me a point you know and we're still trying to figure out what you do with those points but uh, you know if you ever figure it out let me know um but they're intended by God to give us endurance and encouragement. That's what they're, and you don't need endurance and encouragement if you're not discouraged or need to endure something. You know, If everything's wonderful, what do you need God for? That's right? kind of the way we look at it. So his revealed written word is it's what you need to know to keep on going in a path of obedience. That's the thing we have to remember. It's, if you're going to obey God, you kind of got to know what he wants you to do. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that implies what? We know what they are. I might say, well, he wants me to beat up people. That makes me love God. Well, that's not in there. (laughs) You know, whatever, you can put in your own way. No, you're, you're supposed to obey his commandments, not yours. So when you feel downcast, when you meet all kinds of opposition, um, I think this is a, a is a is a hopeful sermon because th- you're all going to get there. You've all been there. You might be going through it right now. Well, that's real. You know, if I tell you, oh, you know, everything will be fine later. I don't know that. I mean, yeah, when you later, later, second coming stuff. But I don't know. Uh, I know that he gives us what we need. You know, Jesus says that everyone will hate you because you are my followers. That does not preach as good as I uh, will come to give you abundant life. <laughs> Although that's all about salvation if you read it in context. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Oh my, maybe that's why the scriptures are given for endurance, because we're supposed to endure. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. That's on and on. Endure, endure, endure. I've given you what you need to endure. And then from Second Corinthians, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. How old is your soul? <laughs> I look around here; we got all kinds of different ages here. Um, well, it's probably the same age as you are. How old's it going to get? We talked about eternal life, didn't we? That that keeps going. This life, will, this this body will not endure, but your soul will. And then if you read First Corinthians, I think it seems like we get another body that's kind of like our soul that's eternal too. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, but that doesn't mean, and again, don't take this as, well, you know, life's really, really terrible right now, but it'll get better. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> it's wonderful thing. I look around at, at the people here. I mean, think about the relationships you have and the depth that you have. This is good stuff, folks. It's a pinprick of heaven. Uh, it, it's only going to get better once that happens, I and mean, he'll give you what and sometimes we go through the toughest times and find out what really matters is God and each other. Isn't that the two greatest commandments? Love God, love others. It's not really that difficult. So in uh, the scripture's going to again and again gives us god 's perspective on things, and that's what you need sometimes, especially when you 're going through tough times. The Bible perspective will make a hard situation endurable. I like Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the device of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law or the teaching of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. So f- summing up here, all the scriptures have this goal, to sustain our hope. This is what it's about. So you can endure, so you can have what you need. It helps us. You don't need that if everything's wonderful. It's when you go through the tough situations of life. And it's not just teeth gritting and, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps against all odds. It's, it's driven and sustained by real hope. And if you look at the parable, and I, I, this is your assignment for today, today. Um, I think, I, get, I think you get an extra point if you do this. Um, read the parable of the sower and tell me what the difference is between verses 19 and 23. Moving on. <laughs> There's a big difference here. It's It kind of sums up. There's a difference between the, the, the soil, which is the heart on the path, and the soil, which is the heart that produces fruit. There's one big difference. And I'll I'll let you see if you can. You're welcome to text me or call me if you want. You don't have to. Um, So Paul, who wrote Romans, wrote in what was mostly his last letter, his last of his inspired writings, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So that's, that's the encouragement. Keep fighting the fight. You've got the tools. And please don't fight it on your own. You certainly need God, and you need each other. If you don't do that, that is just silly. Um, on this rock, I will build my church. And then you can see that the hope he had in Christ, it changed how Paul is. It changed how you live. Uh, So that's true Christian hope. It's the same for us. striving to know God better each day and serve him better each day in in whatever way he puts in front of you. And then we can be these true spiritual warriors with this armor, with this ability to take every thought captive and fight the battle with him. Let us pray. Father, we should take the cue from what you named your old covenant people, Israel, that, that wrestling with God, wrestling with you, striving with you, struggling with you, knowing that we can't do this on our own, but you bring your spirit to be with us. That's what birthed the church and each other to help each other through um, all the battles that we come in. Some of the battles people have here are big, some are small, but um, you want to fight them with us, and we thank you for that. Thank you for giving us what we need, always being there for us, always giving us the hope in Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen.